0: ReachMD XM 157 presents a special series, Insights in Future Medicine.
1: The future of the physician assistant profession. Where are PAs going? You are listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinicians Roundtable. I'm Lisa DeAndre, your host, and with me today is Dave Mittman, a physician assistant and visionary for the PA profession. Dave is a past president of the New York State Society of Physician Assistants and was a founder of Clinicians Review Magazine. Recently, he co-founded the American College of Clinicians, an organization of nurse practitioners and physician assistants. Today, we are discussing needed changes to keep the physician assistant profession viable in the future. Hi, Dave. It's a pleasure to have you on the show.
0: Thank you. Same here.
1: Dave, you recently reached out to the leaders of the PA profession asking for some changes. And you brought forward many issues that you believe without change would marginalize the profession. And one of those changes is the name Physician Assistant. Can you tell us a little about the history of the Physician Assistant name and why you think it should be changed?
0: Be glad to. Again, I would like to reiterate as we start that these changes that I asked for in the profession were as a result of being a leader in it for over 30 years. Been a PA, for me, what seems forever. And I saw that there were really some things holding the profession back and I would like everyone to listen to some of the suggestions with a broad and uh, landscape and looking towards the future and looking how PAs and physicians and nurse practitioners and other people can all work together to give the best healthcare possible. Regarding the name, the original name of the PA profession, it was named by a physician. It was named at Duke University. Everybody signed on at Duke, and in fact, the Duke program, as well as the Yale program, as well as a number of others, all continue with this name, and our name was Physician Associate. And Associate is, you know, Associate Professor is still a little bit lower than the full Professor. It's subservient, but yet Assistant has become a problem. And probably in about 1974, organized medicine put pressure on the PA profession to change the name to Physician Assistant. And there are just so many things wrong with the name. The biggest one is an assistant in our society. And I don't think there's anybody driving who would disagree with this. There is no assistant who can do what the assisted does. Vis-a-vis diagnose, treat, prescribe, and really practice medicine. PAs are allowed to practice medicine. My license says I can. It said that for 33 years. And so when one looks at the name, it's very confusing to patients. They think we're medical assistants. We're constantly asked, when are we going to become a real doctor? Or when does medical school end? People do not see it as a genuine profession. And part of that is the name, and the name also is generic. My mom can work in a physician's office and be a physician's assistant. And it's too vague to base a profession on. It's too confusing to patients. And I think it shortchanges the physicians that we work with. It would be a lot nicer if I could walk into a room and say, Hi, I'm Dave Mittman. I'm a physician associate. I'm working here, you know, with Dr. Jones, and we're both here to take care of you. We work as a team. What brought you in today? Rather than really almost what every PA does, and it's, they start out by telling people what they're not and that the name they feel really doesn't work and exemplify what they do.
1: Well, from the book, Eat, Shoots, and Leaves, we learned about the importance of placing a comma How about the importance of the apostrophe and the physician assistant name?
0: Well, again, the apostrophe was taken out because, number one, physician's assistant was generic. Number two, and I think something that most PAs had a problem with, was that it connotes ownership. And we certainly are not looking for independent practice in the sense that, you know, everybody driving would understand it. But we are autonomous. There are PAs in the military. Three PAs have died in Iraq providing advanced trauma care at field hospitals, or Afghanistan, I'm sorry, either both of them, and I'm not sure. But in any case, the apostrophe S, the ownership part, we really did need to remove. And I think we've gotten to the point where it was a big thing for the PA profession, but for the consumer, for the legislator, for a health policymaker, for all these other people, They have no idea that the apostrophe S or the non-apostrophe means anything. To them, physician assistant and physician's assistant would be very much the same. And so that's why we felt that, or many of us feel that, just removing that apostrophe isn't enough.
1: So let's talk about the ratio of physician to physician assistants and how that may hurt the physician assistant profession.
0: The ratio problem And it is a problem, really is holding back the PA profession. Let me explain for the listeners what the ratio problem is. In many states, a physician can be the supervising physician for two PAs, and that's the limit. And what that does is it holds back, obviously, the number of people who can be employed in a situation that may be rural, may be urban, and a needier community, some place where a physician would like to have four PAs working with them and they just can't make that happen because legislatively they're tied to a certain ratio. Many physicians that I know think that it's very cumbersome and it's not the way to go if the PA profession needs to evolve. Many PAs exactly feel the same way. What's come up more recently is in the area of the retail clinics If we're in a state where there's a two-to-one ratio, and some states are four-to-one, and there may be, and I'm not sure, states that have done away with the ratio and left it up to the physician to determine whatever they're comfortable with. There's such a difference between what a new graduate would need, um, a new physician graduate and a new PA graduate in terms of supervision, in terms of working you know, arm-in-arm and next to each other. And then you take people who are out 10 and 15 and 20 and 25 and 30 years, and they virtually autonomously can run a clinic. So there are those people in the middle, and we recognize that. But a two-to-one ratio in most states really handcuffs the profession. And let me get back to the retail clinic. What's happened is in many states, the nurse practitioners don't have a ratio. That's great. The PAs do. And the people in the retail clinics or even in outpatient hospital clinics say, okay, we'll hire NPs because it will just cost us too much to keep hiring extra docs to be on call so they can be there for that two-to-one ratio that we need to hire PAs, and that's really held the profession back. So I would make a request that if anybody is a legislator or a physician that's active in that, that they look at those ratios because they are holding the PA profession back and in turn holding the physicians that want to work with us back.
1: Dave, you're right about the physician assistants filling needed healthcare shortages in specialties such as geriatrics and oncology. Can you share your thoughts regarding that?
0: Oh, sure. Again, TAs have really specialized. What I think one of the big secrets of the profession is that probably, and I'm not sure of this again, but let's just say 50, 55% of us are in primary care and another 45% are really spread out in some specialties predominantly surgery and the surgical subspecialties where we've done wonderfully. Surgeons love us. We work together as a team well, and we're doing things that we couldn't have dreamed of 20 and 25 and 30 years ago, and that's great. But one of the things that I pointed out was that there were some specialties, oncology being one, radiology being one, psychiatry being probably the biggest one, where PAs should be utilized, and we just, for some reason or another, have not gotten into those specialties, and there's an acute shortage in those specialties, and certainly in rural areas, in more underserved areas. We hear stories about people waiting a month to see a psychiatrist, a month to be put on some medicine, just to even start so they can start to be stabilized, and it's really a problem. Again, it might not be if you live on Park Avenue, it might not be if you live on Michigan Avenue, but it certainly is if you live in many of the rural areas in our country. So one of the things I just asked my profession to do was turn around and and look at some of these specialties and consider those where there's really a shortage and it's going to take a long time for those specialties to start overproducing people. So that's really where we are with trying to fill some shortages as we've always done and primary care is still a huge specialty for us, any one of the primary care specialties. But I think we should be looking at, you know, again, areas like oncology and psychiatry and and places that may offer a need also.
1: Do you think we need a shift in our education model? I know right now they don't do much training in those specialties.
0: I'm not sure. I really probably don't think so. I would still speak to having the, the generalist background, the generalist broad training and not to get into many specialties or subspecialties during your preliminary education, we could set up some residency programs in those, and there are a couple, and those are usually set up at hospitals by a group of physicians who are running a service who say, you know what, let's take some PAs in, train them up as residents, and really start to run the service with some PA help. And what that does is once the PA graduates, You really almost have a bona fide third, fourth year resident level person out there to work in a practice, and that would really be helpful, again, in areas like psych and oncology and radiology and some other specialties where there are shortages.
1: Okay, so let's talk about the leadership. Now, you reached out to the leaders about these changes. Who are our leaders?
0: Well, I think PA leaders are found um, just as physician leaders and nursing leaders on all levels all over the country. There's local leaders. More and more who I reached out to were state leaders. And then there's national leaders, or largest organizations, the American Academy of Physician Assistance. They're a great organization. I obviously, as someone who's been around a long time, thought that they should be doing more in certain areas. That's a prerogative. That's great. And so I reached out to those leaders and some of the state leaders. We also had specialty leaders, so a number of them. And I just sent out an open letter saying, you know, it's time to look at us a little bit more critically and and maybe time to shift some of our thinking.
1: So, Dave, what are the top three things that PAs that are listening right now can do to keep their profession viable?
0: Without a doubt, the number one thing that we have to do is continue the really legacy of clinical excellence that we've started and still hold. I think just holding that level of clinical excellence that's brought us to this point after 40 years would be wonderful if we can raise it a little bit and i think we will be doing that there are more postgraduate residencies most programs are now at the masters degree level that's going to be fine i think secondly would be to join the organizations that affect the pa profession join the organizations that you have something in common with or that represent you would be my second top thing that would keep the profession viable and and the third and the one that's most important to me on a different level is to really advocate is just to be out there to let people know who you are and what you do, to let physicians know that you're not the bad guy, you're not the enemy, that we really are here to work together to promote health care, to go out to every corner of America and possibly the world, and really try to, what we all went in this for, really try to make people feel better, live longer, greater quality of life, all the things that we believe in.
1: I'd like to thank Dave Mittman, who's been our guest today, and we've been discussing the future of the physician assistant profession. I'm Lisa DeAndre, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com.
0: Thank you for listening to a special series, Insights in Future Medicine, on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals.